all of our moms. It is Mother's Day, and it's a joy that you have chosen to be with us to celebrate Mother's Day and all of the all of the joys and trials of motherhood. Uh, uh, we sort of acknowledge today, and um, Mother's Day brings a variety, you know, of thoughts and emotions. So I wanted to say a special welcome uh, to all the ladies in the room, all the moms, all the grandmothers. Uh, all the uh, great-grandmothers, those of you in the past year, uh, moms who may have lost children, we acknowledge your loss today, and although today is filled with great joy for some, uh, for some today is a reminder of the loss that you've experienced, or maybe you've suffered a failed adoption, those of you who struggle with uh, infertility or separation from your adult child or celebration from a separation from a child for some reason to those this year who've lost your own moms you know today is sort of a mixed day for you you had the joy of having her in your life for so long but yet today feels a little bit empty without her there with you to those of you who've suffered through the effects of abortion we acknowledge uh, that struggle uh, we remember you today, and we remember, we remember uh, those children who were lost. And those of you who have offered your children for adoption, uh, we remember you today. And the expecting mothers who are just on the brink of having your first child, uh, we celebrate with you this morning and all the new mothers. So all of the ladies that have such an incredible influence and impact on our life, We want to say a great big welcome to you, so would you give all the ladies in the room a great big hand? We're honored to have you here. Thank you today for worshiping with us. It's a joy to have you. Now, I wish that I had the ability to to give a meaningful gift to every mom in the room, uh, and and we just don't. So here's what I thought we'd do today. Uh, for each service this weekend, we, we have chosen a, a mom that we want to honor, and uh, we call her our representative mom. In other words, she's going to represent uh, all the moms in the room uh, by her story and by her faithfulness. And uh, so we've chosen a mom from each service that we just want to say thank you for all that you've done and thank you for being the person that you are. And so the uh, representative mom from this service that we've chosen is a special lady who's been a part of Kingwood Church uh, nearly all her life. Uh, she's not only been an incredible mom to her own daughter, but she's been a surrogate mother to a lot of kids as they sort of stowed away in her house. And uh, she became uh, a mom to um, several other young ladies who were friends of her daughter, one of one of whom uh, is special to me uh, because one of them is my sister-in-law. And as she struggled, my sister-in-law, without having my wife and her sister, didn't have uh, the benefit of having a mom present in a healthy way in uh, their life. And so she filled that role in for my sister-in-law and uh, invested deeply in her life. And so this morning we want to honor uh, Jimmy Ruth Cummings. Uh, where, where are you at? Where is Jimmy Ruth at? Uh, we want to honor you and your daughter Candy is coming right behind you with a special gift from us. So we just want to say thank you for being a great mom. We honor you today on behalf of all moms. Yeah, give her a great big hand. 
Now, we've been talking in this series about being an overcomer. And so this morning, in honor of Mother's Day, and, I, and we're going to finish this series today, uh, and we're going to just focus today on how to become an overcoming mom. Now, everything I say today will apply to everybody, but I want to focus it specifically uh, on moms and ladies today. And uh, if you'll turn to 1 Samuel uh, in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to look at uh, one of my favorite stories in the Scripture uh, because I've always had a close relationship with my mom, and this is one of my favorite moms in the whole Bible. Uh, but as you're turning there, uh, we've been talking in this series about how to be overcomer, and it seems to me, historically, if you look, a lot of the pressure that flows through society tends to fall on the shoulders of women. And although things have greatly improved in a lot of ways, uh, there's a lot of pressure out there even when things are going well. You know, there's the pressure to live up to some kind of ideal standard. There's the pressure to, do I stay at home and parent, or do I go into the workforce and fulfill that part of my life? There's a, there's a pressure on ladies to be, you know, perfect in a lot of ways. To be, do I live up to some perfect personality, perfect ideal, perfect children who never spill anything on themselves, or never have anything wrong with their clothes, always have everything they need? Do I live up to some ideal in appearance with a perfect waistline. And unfortunately, in our society, too many times, women are valued first for their appearance and then for other things. Now, it wasn't always that way. And in our story in Scripture today in 1 Samuel, we'll see what that culture valued um, uh, the ladies and their culture for. Now, underneath all this pressure, though, there is the call from God to be an overcomer. How do, we, how do we become an overcomer? And I want to share one of my favorite stories with you, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. As you're looking at that, let me just kind of set the backdrop of what happened in this passage, what happened in the scripture. This is a story about a woman who's under a lot of pressure. Now, uh, you ever play I Spy? You know, who can see? Let me see who in the room can figure out where the problem might be in this story. Let me just give you some of the details. There was a man who had two wives. How many of you see a problem? Just want to make sure you're here. Now, one of the wives had children and the other one didn't. How many of you see another problem? Yes. So the wife that did not have children, her name was Hannah. Now, that, that brings us to verse 6. And because the Lord had closed her womb... Her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Now, this scripture doesn't tell us who her rival is, but I wonder if there's a lady in the room who can tell me who the rival was. The other wife, yes. Does every woman agree with that? Yes, every woman in the room agrees with that. The other wife. So, you see, there's pressure. Verse 7. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. How many of you ladies want to hurt the other woman? Come on, be honest. It's Mother's Day. How many of you ladies want to hurt the other woman? She tormented that poor girl year after year after year because she couldn't have children and it wasn't even her fault. See, pressure. But don't worry. Don't worry. The story's about to turn. The sun's about to come out. Everything's about to be resolved in such an incredible way. Here it is. Because Hannah has an incredible husband. She's got a man. 
And how many of you know a man can fix anything? Nobody. I'm all alone. He's going to offer words of wisdom to fix the situation. Here he comes in verse 8. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, I just want to take those questions and break them apart individually. The first question is, why are you crying? Like most men, he is completely unaware of female rivalry. Right? She has children, she doesn't. She's made fun of her for years, and it's breaking this poor woman's soul down, and he is her husband, and he doesn't even know why she's crying. For years this has gone on. So he has a brilliant idea. Why don't you eat? For most men, there aren't many problems that a good steak won't cure. He doesn't know what else to say. But there comes a point in every woman's life where she doesn't want you to fix it. She just wants you to listen. And she wants to know, the reason she wants you to listen is because she wants to know she's not alone in the pressure and someone else shares the pressure with her. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, probably men and women approach problems differently. Men say, when I feel bad, I'm going to work on what's making me feel bad until I solve it. And when I solve it, I'll feel better. Women say, when I feel bad, I'm going to share those bad feelings with someone, and then I will face it. Now, guys, if you get that wrong, if you take your approach to her, it'll frustrate her. Most of the time, she doesn't want you to fix it. She wants you to feel it because she doesn't want to be alone. took me years to figure that out. Why are we going through all this? Why are you crying? Why is this happening? What's, just let me fix it. I don't want you to fix it. Then what are we talking about? That's a man's, a man's mentality. What are we talking about it for? What do you want me just to feel bad? Yes. Why? Because I feel bad. And because I know I'm not alone. Now, here's the most brilliant question he asked. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Guys, let me just say a word to you. The answer to the pressure on her life is never going to be, but it's all okay because after all, you got me. That's never going to be the answer. I'm just telling you. She has a conflict with a woman at work, and she brings it home, and she's unloading it on you. And you say, wait, 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 wait. Before you say another word, we don't even need to talk about this. You know why? After all, you still got me. Like, that's never going to be the answer. I guarantee you it's not going to work. The pressure is not getting better. So how do you become an overcoming mom? Verse 9, let's read a few verses here and see what Hannah did. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son... 
Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. He's the priest watching this poor broken woman pray. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Now, how many of you pray ugly? I mean, how many of you cry ugly? How many of you cry ugly? You upside down. She cried so ugly, he thought she was drunk. Now, now imagine this. This poor woman is just absolutely broken because in Hannah's culture, a woman wasn't valued first for her appearance as it is today. A woman was first valued for her ability to have children and have a lot of them. And so it's very hard for us in our culture today to feel what she's feeling. The, the feelings of absolute outright worthlessness. Because she couldn't have kids. And the overwhelming humiliation because this other woman was tormenting her. I mean, this is a, a perfect storm. So Hannah came to God full of pain and insecurities. Now that's something that every one of us in some way or another can identify with. It's something that every woman in the room can identify with. As society pressures you and life's responsibilities squeeze you, the feeling of inadequacy rises higher and higher and higher. So if you have something to write with this morning, I want to give you three things that you need to give to God if you're going to be an overcomer. It's counterintuitive. To be an overcomer, we don't think we need to give something. We think we need to take something. Take initiative. Take, take charge. Take over. Take control of ourself. Become more committed. Become more determined. But actually the path to overcoming is as counterintuitive as Jesus' death on the cross was. It didn't seem like death was the path to life, but it was. It doesn't seem like the path to overcoming is giving. It seems like it's, it's taking. So here's the first one. Give your inadequacies to God. When we feel those moments of painful inadequacy, it's good to talk it over you know, with somebody else. And, and, and every lady in the room, if you, if you are married and you have your husband, you have that kind of relationship with your husband where you can talk over those moments of insecurity, that is, that is incredible and it's very helpful. But sometimes we can depend on people to do things that only God can do. So God uses other people in our life. He uses our spouse. He uses our friends. But sometimes we can try to substitute them for God and we're actually trying to squeeze a solution out of them that only God can provide. So he's the ultimate source. Did you notice Hannah's husband really had no answers? Like every answer was dumb. Was not helpful. And she really had nowhere else to go, but watch this. Something wonderful happens when we realize there are some issues for which no one has an answer. Because it's then, usually out of desperation, we turn to the one who has all the answers. I don't know why we usually go to him last. Try everything else. 
But when we get there, you know what we always learn? How adequate God is. It usually is revealed in moments of our greatest inadequacies. The more inadequate, the more insecure, the more overwhelmed, the more frustrated we become, the more we have a tendency to turn to the one who is filled with all adequacy and all authority and all power and all ability and all strength. But it's usually in, only in those moments that we turn that way. So you don't have to be a perfect mom. You don't have to be, have perfect children. You don't have to have perfect looks. Jesus died for you. He paid a price for you. And as you depend on him, you realize what your true identity is in him. Every woman in the room, every teenage girl in the room, every child in the room is a daughter of God. That's your identity. So as the story goes on in, in verse 11, Hannah said something I think that is remarkable. Give your inadequacies to God, but look what she said. Verse 11, and I will give him to the Lord. Relieve my suffering, give me a son, give me a child. And I will give him back to you and he will serve you all the days of his life. Now, this is a very unusual promise, and it's made in very unusual circumstances. Uh, we don't need any moms having babies in the church and bringing them down to the church and saying, I'm giving them back to God right here. He's yours. There, there is no room in the inn. This is very unusual. However, we do take from it a principle that is powerful and universal and liberating and helpful. Nobody really ever owns anybody else. You don't own your spouse. You don't own your kids. You don't own your grand. Nobody really owns anybody. Jesus is the only one who died for us and put us back in relationship with the Father. He paid the price. And so we all belong to him. We're only stewards of those relationships. We're only stewards of those people. So here's the first thought. Give your inadequacies to God. Here's the second one. Give your children to God. Give your children to God. I don't know if you know this. Moms tend to hover. Right? Tends to sort of hover. But that son will one day find the embrace of another woman. And that daughter will one day find a husband and the center of her life will be at another house. Social science tells us that the departing process begins at 12 years old. Every mother whose oldest child is 12 just went, ah, not ready for that. I remember when our oldest son was six and it dawned on me a third of his life in our home is over. And at 12, two-thirds. And today he's 18, and in a week he'll graduate high school, and now it's three-thirds. And it happens like that. And what do you do? How do you respond? After Hannah's son was born, she kept her word, and she gave him back to God. And he went to live with the priest. Now, I can't imagine how Hannah must have felt. Remember her, remember her history now. She is valued by society 
for her ability to have children. She can't have children. She can't have children. She can't have children. She can't have children. And, and the closest other woman by relationship in her life is harassing her and making fun of her and tormenting her and torturing her and making her feel unvaluable. And finally, God gives her a miracle and she has a child only to take him down to the priest and let him live there. That, I, I can't imagine the inner conflict that she must have felt. I wonder how many nights she laid awake just missing, missing his presence, missing his skin, missing the smell of his hair, just not being able to walk into the next room and him being there. Hannah proved that her dependency on God was more than just relief in the moment. But throughout her son's life, she gave him back to God again and again and again. I can tell you in 25 years of ministry, I have seen a lot of difficulty and a lot of pain when moms can't give their kids back to God. Anytime that you make your children a higher priority than God is. Anytime you make your children a higher priority than your spouse is. Anytime you get those things out of order, I can tell you there's going to be a problem. And here's where the problem's going to be. Your ability to be an overcomer. Your ability to be an overcomer will be limited because you will never be able to get free from the, from the distrust you have in God. I've got to take care of this kid because God is not going to. From the limitation on your own life. Because you never live in that next level of freedom or trust or joy or experience or, or proper priority. I, I can remember when I was in youth ministry, there was a mom who had kids in our group. And, and uh, man, I, I could see this. I, I'm, I'm telling you, anytime you have someone who, who puts an idol on another person, this person is more important than God. And I will lose anything and anybody. And I'm going to, th this mom that I had worked with had decided she's going to fight every battle for her kids, particularly one of her sons. She's going to fight every battle. She's going to fix it. She's going to control it. She's going to run it. She's going to own it. And man, can I tell you the years that I spent with her, she was an extreme joy in so many ways. But boy, there were some other ways that I, you're, you're, ne and she always struggled over. And look, the truth is, you know, the truth is, her son, she thought he was an angel. He was spoiled, rotten. Like, like, let me tell you, like God and Satan were fighting over who's going to get stuck with him for eternity. I mean, this kid, you know what I'm saying? This kid, this kid was tough. Because mom didn't know how to give her kids back to God. She didn't know how she was going to resolve everything. When you have to hold on with a death grip, hold on with a death grip. When you have to be involved, be involved. When you need to guide, guide. When you need to talk, talk. But when it's time to let go, when it's time to listen, when it's time to pray, when it's time to release, release. Give your kids back to God. So, the way we become overcomers, we give, and you can see it from Hannah's life, we give our inadequacies to God, we give our children to God. Here's the last one. Give your future to God. You know, I think everybody in the room, all of us, 
tend to have some level of concern, some level of stress about how are things going to work out? What's the future? How's this going to work out? What's going to happen when? What's going to happen if? And I don't think moms or ladies are an exception to that. I think we all tend to have that stress. But I love the way that this story ends. This story ends in such an incredible way. Hannah, as she prayed over her son, there was a greater story going on, and her story was just a little piece inside the big story. Here was the big story. The nation of Israel, who was Hannah's nation, was at a time um, of, of deep distraction and, and disarray, confusion. And there was a giant leadership vacuum in the culture at the time. And God was looking for someone that he could raise up and he could depend on to be a leader in that nation. And I don't know exactly how it all went down. But somehow or another, God, the Bible says, closed her womb. But when Hannah said, God, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. He opened her womb and she had a child. She wanted a child, but God wanted a leader. And God answered her prayer and the kingdom's need at the same time. And, and here's the thing. Samuel became one of the greatest leaders in the entire Old Testament. Probably in times of change, other than maybe Moses, Samuel was the greatest leader in the entire Old Testament. And he became, but watch this, he didn't become that when he was 2 or 3 or 5 or 10 or 15 years old. And this is the part that I want you to see. Hannah's son Samuel became that leader over time. So what can we learn from this? Here's what we can learn from this. Believe that God is using you for great purposes even if you cannot see them. Because here's what happens. She had to wait 20 or 25 years. All she knew is, is I can't have children and God has heard my prayer and given me a miracle and I have a child and as I said in my prayer I will give him to him give him back to God but do you think there were days that she saw no purpose in that do you think there were long days when she just sat home and said yes I do have a son and I visit him and I see him in a distance but I'm not really part of his life the way that I wanted to be this isn't how I pictured it do you think she ever looked at that other mom with her children running around her her sons and daughters and said I wish that was me Yes. But the thing is, God's purposes were at work. She just couldn't see them. Can I tell you something this morning? God's purposes are at work in your life whether you can see them or not. God is doing something. He is working. And when you lean in, when you give your future to Him, what you're saying is, God, I trust you that you're doing something great even though I can't see it today. But you will see it. And she saw it. And Samuel became a dynamic leader that anointed kings and put leaders in place and affected the nation, not just in that generation, but in generations to come. All because he had a praying mom 
who decided not to be defined by the inadequacies of her life, but to give those things to God, to trust God with her future. And she became an overcomer. I can say this morning to every person in the room, particularly to every lady, I don't know God's purpose in what you're going through, but I know there is one. And if you're going to be an overcomer, part of being an overcomer is believing that. So I want to ask you all if you would, if you would stand with me. And I want, to have a, I want to have a special time of prayer at the end of the service this morning with moms. Matter of fact, I would like to ask not just every mom, but every lady. Every, if you're a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old young lady, doesn't matter. Every mom and lady, would you come and just join me here in the front, I'd like to have prayer with you today, and we have a song that we're going to sing before we leave today. Would you just come? We want to honor you today. I don't have a gift the way that I had. Yeah, give these ladies a great big hand. Would you? Would you guys scoot? Would you guys scoot around? Would you guys kind of fan out? Yeah. Would you fan out, please? Keep coming forward, please, ladies. Fan all the way out. Yeah, just keep filling the sides. Thank you. We'll wait. Those of you in the balcony, we're, we're early. Keep coming. We'll wait for you. Maybe for some of our, our mothers who have a hard time standing, if you would make sure the front row is open, they could sit there. Thank you for coming. Hey, it's good to have you here today. You're special. And we're blessed because you're here. God's plan is for you to be an overcomer. And can I tell you, we need you to be an overcomer. Wonder what would have happened to Israel or Samuel or the whole nation had Hannah not been an overcomer got to know she felt just like an ordinary mom that wasn't making a difference at all who am I I can't even have kids and the one kid I have I had to give away what difference can I possibly make all the difference in the world I was thinking about my own mom in terms of giving your future to God my my mom uh, is in really bad health and she uh, has been diagnosed in the last year with dementia and so her memories are starting to fade and her health has gotten so bad she she would travel she hasn't been able to come here and see us for a couple years now and then it got to where she couldn't travel and then it got to where she would just go to the store a little bit she'd drive to the store then it got to where she couldn't drive and now she can't leave the house like a big trip for her is to go from one room to the other but about three weeks ago she texted me and she said 
I know, I know you're busy and I know you're going through a lot. But I just wondered if it would be okay if I texted you a devotional thought every day. And I said, yeah. She, uh, this morning, my phone went off. Bing. This little devotional thought from my mom on Mother's Day. And she said, when you go preach today, I'm going to be standing there with you. And I said, yes, you are. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Thank you for being the best. And she sends those little texts. And I, and I was thinking about her and how much of an overcomer she is. And how even when her body won't let her do what her soul wants to do, she found a way to overcome. Because she believes that God has a purpose for what she's doing that she can't see yet, but she will see it. You know what I'm saying? She's given her future to God. I don't know what's going to happen, but God, I give it to you. She's an overcomer. And you know what? She listens to every sermon on the internet at home. Mom, when you hear this, just know I love you. And thank you. Would you give my mom a great big hand? I want her to hear you. The other day, we were at the store. And uh, we got up to, maybe we were eating somewhere, we got up to leave. And this lady walked over to my wife and said, Hey, I want you to know something. And we didn't recognize her. But she said, I want you to know something. Your Facebook post, every morning when I wake up, I get up and read your Facebook post. Now, my, if you're a, a guest today, my wife's been diagnosed with a terrible disease that just degenerates her body slowly over time. And it's been a struggle for her. But can I tell you something? Everywhere we go, people stop us, some of whom we don't even know if we know them. And they say, hey, I read your Facebook post. Remember that last week? I read your Facebook post, and it encourages me so much. She's an overcomer. She told me the other, the other day, she said, I, I can't remember things like I used to. I read the devotionals, but as soon as I read it, I can't remember what I read. But she gets up every morning, I look in there at the little table, and she's just reading and reading and reading, and she's staring into a quiet screen, and she just keeps typing things on the computer that encourage people. You know why? She's given her future to God. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. How many of you, would you just let, how many of you honestly have ever read one or a post and been encouraged? Would you just lift your hand? Look. You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Somehow, someway by God's grace, I don't know how, you're an overcomer. Let me tell you one more thing. So are you. You're probably, come on, give them a big hand. You're an overcomer. I want you to hear this. 
Because moms always wonder if they're doing enough, if they're strong enough, if they're smart enough, if they're pretty enough. I want to tell you something, every one of you moms, I guarantee you you're making a bigger difference than you think you are. How our lives would be different without you. Every lady in this room, we need you. So this morning, we're going to close with a part of a song. You guys ready for that? Come on over. Don't you appreciate Charmaine and the worship team? They've done great today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to lift your hands. The song is called Covered. And I just want you to lift your hands. And as you do, I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to begin to give God whatever it is that's in your life. Lord, we give you today inadequacies. We give you our families. We give you our children. We give you the future. I want you just to begin to release and to give Him everything that He desires from you. The burdens, the fears. This is good for men in the room too. It's good for everybody. Lord, this morning we just lay down at your feet every heavy burden, every heavy weight because we know that we're covered. We know this morning that we're covered. We know today that we've been covered. We know that we're covered. Thank you, Jesus. Glorious grace at the cross, you called it finished. Grace, beautiful grace. Come on, just give it to him. Give it to him today. Wonderful grace at the cross, all of my sin is
Lord, I pray today for every mom, for every grandmother, for every lady, for every woman, for every girl. They are covered. Today we hide ourselves under the covering of God where we are adequate, where every need is met, where our future is in your hands, where we can trust you even with the things most tender as our own family. God, today, I pray that you would bless. I pray that you would strengthen. I pray that you would raise up in this place women of God. Lord, I pray you're covering on their life. We celebrate them today, and we celebrate the one who gave them to us. In Jesus' name. Ladies, would you look around and just hug one of the ladies that are close to you on your way out today? Happy Mother's Day. Great to have you here this morning.